0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is Good Friday, and we hear from me, Emily Hanson-Curran, as I preach from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 18, verses 1 through chapter 19 to 42. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our home page, which is allsoulsparish.org. I sat in the chapel last night at the vigil with the reserved sacrament we had processed from this altar, a line from the author Black Elk came into my head. I don't know if it happened this way, but I know this story is true. I might amend that to say, I don't know what it means that it happened this way, but I know this story is true. I'm not here because I understand this story and all that it means, but there are some bits to the story that I know. And I know them because I see them working out all around us. And it's from there that I've been reflecting this week. When we think of something that is grotesque, we often think of that which is monstrous or comically distorted or ugly. A piece of art can be grotesque, a character in a play, or a piece of literature, even a friend's behavior at a dinner party. It's that thing which is unsettling and unsettled. It's an oddity, and it awakens us from the status quo. In a class I'm in right now with Dr. Scott McDougall, we've recently read a book called Heavenly Bodies, by the Swedish theologian, Ola Sigurdsson. He dedicates a good portion of this book to the grotesque, further illuminating its effects by saying things like this. The grotesque is namely that which lies on the margins of our attempts to know, classify, and organize. And that the grotesque lies between what is and what becomes. Resisting closure, the grotesque object impales us on the present moment, emptying the past and forestalling the future. Like a moment of confusion, the grotesque can lead to new insights and discoveries. The grotesque is therefore never something fixed or stable, but rather a process or a progression. Because it blurs lines and resists closure and a finishing touch, the grotesque is generative. It transcends boundaries, and it's inherently intertwined with bodies. It awakens us to new possibilities. And through the grotesque, we can see and normalize our own cavities, our brokenness and deficiencies. In other words, our humanity. And in these holes, in these spaces, Room is made for another. Is this not what we witness in this story tonight? A body so torn and broken, that it impales on us in the the present, stands outside our ability to understand, to classify it as one sort of thing at all. A brutality so confounding and unsettling, how can it be that the empire wins? that Pilate is satisfied, that God doesn't just save Jesus from this brutality, that this brutality is so extravagant. It's that sort of unsettling that that the ground under our feet shifts, awakening us from our lives to and into openness. Whatever could possibly come next? This is how we find the characters at the foot of the cross in the story. From his subversive entry by donkey into Jerusalem, just a few days ago, to the garden, to the examination before Pilate, to the cross, the disciples and followers of Jesus have watched and waited as these last few days have very quickly devolved into these final moments. How did they get here? How did things unravel so quickly? And with nothing left to do but remain in horror and grief at the absurdity and the extravagance of this nightmare and how much had been broken, the beloved disciple and the mother of Jesus are given a new beginning. Woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, here is your mother. It's here that in their grief they are made kin. As they remained and bore witness to the suffering of Jesus, from the very one who was pierced came an understanding of something that had been there all along, but which they did not or had not realized. They belonged to each other. At a Good Friday service several years ago, a parishioner, Anna Ing, if you remember her, told a story using these last words of Jesus. She told us the story of a time in her life when, over a short period of time, her dad and her brother-in-law died, causing a lot of pain, and which shifted the makeup of her family. She talked about how these words of Jesus, when he extends kinship beyond blood and family, is what Christianity is about, being called to expand the table of belonging. And then she concluded with a story that I've returned to many times over the past few years. She was taking her sister and her sister's kids away for the weekend. And while at a hotel, while the kids were running around the lobby, the clerk wondered out loud whose kids those were. Instinctively, Anna said that they were her sister's kids. And then looking down at her niece said, well, actually, you belong to me too, just in a different way. I was taken by this story then, as I am now, because of the truth it contains. Our grief and our pains, the very things that make us human, are the ways that we are intimate with each other. Where we lack, where we are broken, are profound entry points for redefining and reimagining our sense of belonging to each other. And as we all know too well, the pain remains. It is not taken away. Jesus does suffer and die. And it's his humanity, and by his humanity, the very fact that he suffered and experienced death, that we enter his own body. These breaks create a void where we can enter. So what are we to do with this? In Phil's sermon last Sunday on Palm Sunday, his invitation to us for this week ahead was to remember and remain. The grotesque in this story is everywhere. In the ear that is cut off in the garden, in Peter's denial, in Pilate's decision-making and the crowd's response. In the method of torture by cross, in this bloodied body, in the piercings by sword and nail, and in the mocking As best you can, don't look away. Remain with the pain, with the blood, with the cross. Remain with death. Remain with the questions and the mystery. Don't try to close it up and package it tight. Sit with the irksome in the wild. And for those of you who don't have a choice not to look away, whose pain has come ravaging through like a train without brakes, Know that your own brokenness is an interval of space and time, a cavity, a gap to be filled by another. In and by Jesus' brokenness, his piercings, his holes, we enter into the body of Christ. And in our own deficiencies, our cavities and brokenness, we have the space to hold another, to let another in, to hold mystery, and where new understandings of belonging can be born.